Hello and welcome everyone to the Life According to Deshley podcast. We are on Equatro number 24. And I'm your host, Adetokumbo Adeshele. On today's episode, we're going to be talking a little bit, bit about millennials and just one brief update before we talk about that. So, let's cue that music and get going. <laughs> Hello, friends, and thank you for visiting us here at the podcast. It is Wednesday, November 7th, a little bit after 11.50, and it is a little bit late for me to be recording because that's 11.50 p.m., and why am I recording this late? Well, I had a scheduled podcast for today, got home after a nice run, got and work, and passed out on the couch. So I woke up, and here I am with a good old pint of vanilla spice flavored eggnog from southern comfort and that's not paid advertisement guys i just love this stuff and yes it's non-alcoholic is it best for me probably not but i love this stuff i can only get it during this time of the year so we have that um elections have occurred not that long ago and i know people are feeling various ways about that and here's a little bit about advice about that People and roles change, and that does have impact on how things are done and how things are perceived. But I think at least with and elections, let me let me back up um, because I know we have international viewers. So elections in America here. Um, and the big thing about that is that I heard that there may be a number of moderates from various sides that no longer have their positions. And I don't extremely study politics to that level to truly know. Uh, so if someone knows, please let me, send me a message, a voice message, or an email at latapodcast uh, at gmail.com. Um, but if there are moderates that have lost their seats for people who are a little bit more um, slightly polarized or more left or right, uh, that, that's a problem. Um, and it's a problem because right now what this country needs more than most things is communication there's a lot of uh polarity uh dichotomy it's very much right now i either like puppies or like kittens and that's it there's no in between and people aren't talking and so if you start losing those people who are moderate you start losing those people who can negotiate who can perhaps see your side maybe they don't agree with it Or maybe they'll be a little bit more willing to listen to what you have to say, try to logic through it and 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 try to come to a conclusion. And I understand that in the world of politics, people feel very strongly about that. People's identity are part of it. You base your social beliefs on it. You place your religious beliefs on it, whatever they may or may not be. You place your economic beliefs. You place there are so many things that go into politics. And since America in particular is so divided that we only really have two parties democrats republicans if you try to vote independent it's like well who are they what do they stand for there's not there's not even enough to make a a large enough party you know well they're independent right but we don't we don't have a tertiary or fourth um party and so it allows us to be very dichotomous and of course, if you're dichotomous or have two poles, you're extreme and extremes 
don't win for everybody. And this country need a lot more unity. When I was growing up, it was believed that, you know, night we stand divided, we fall. And I feel as though current politics is all about division. Uh, they utilize media. Media utilizes itself to, to divide us. People don't want to listen to what another person has to say. All they can see is what they hear, what they feel. And we, we need to, while perhaps protecting our own internal selves, but we still need to be able to open up and listen and try to understand the other side. Sometimes two people can disagree and they both can be right. Think about that. There are times where people can disagree and they both can be right. So we can consider that. Maybe we can consider how can we come to better solutions together? What voices aren't being heard? What voices are fine because they feel so upset? We put some thought into it. We can make some development. And you may be asking, well, how can I start? There's so many ways. to. I mean, you can Google things. You can research things. But not everything online is true. But I think um, just generally starting to talk to people. And so on the rest of the podcast, we'll be talking a little bit about. uh, And I have an intro for that. And if it's that, we'll talk a little bit about. Um my thoughts regarding millennials and kind of why I was thinking about that recently because millennials supposedly are a very large group and those of you who do not know me uh, directly um, or may not have seen your pictures of me you may not know but I technically fall into the millennial category we'll get into all about that but you know people have particular beliefs about millennials and I think part of that is because no one's talking to each other and so some of what I might say here might be a little um speak a little bit from my irritation i try not to um to be too irritated about things Um, but i I think that you know for a quick overview i think that uh, millennials are getting cast a particular view without much consideration to what that means and i don't think that's the best approach i think there are better approaches so we'll get a little music playing here for that and then we'll get going on to that part of the show Hey fam, so there are a number of things that I care about people, I care about the environment, I care about community, I care about growth and executing on my potential and helping others to do the same, and I care about responsibility. So those things all work together. That said, uh, today I was looking on Instagram and I saw a tag related to millennials and today, meaning like several days ago when I actually saw this, but I wrote up some ideas about this. But I saw a tag related to millennials posted by a friend. And, and there was nothing wrong with the message. It was very positive. It was related to millennial goals. It was it was really it was a really good thing, you know. Uh, but then something strange happened. I just, you know, have you ever had this happen to you? You're, you're walking around somewhere and you see something Perhaps maybe it's a store that reminds you of a trip you were on once long ago that you really enjoyed. Or you're cleaning your home and you find a dish that reminds you of a friend. And, you know, that's a dish that they left over at your house during a pitch-in or whatever, a potluck. And you've forgotten to get it back to them. And you remember that good moment that, you know, you need to get back to them. And 
in that moment, you know, you go back in time. Maybe not everything's crystal clear, but certain parts stand out. Maybe it's the weather, if you're on a trip or architecture. Uh, maybe it's a sense of freedom. There's a, there's a vibe there. If it's a dish that you found, um, perhaps it's just a gathering of friends for a holiday, uh, you know, where everyone brought their stuff in. Maybe you remember who was there and what they were wearing, all the all the overall enjoyment of those experiences. And I think that moments like those are precious and are good reminders to take a moment to remember. And with Thanksgiving coming up here soon, we'll probably have many more of those and many past memories that we can relect, recollect. Um, memories such as returning dishes. I, I owe some dishes to some friends, okay? But, you know, I also think our memories you know they promote responsibilities ah have i contacted that friend have i gone on that trip what do i need to do for me the millennial tag it reminded me a number of things and they have mixed feelings and that's why i wanted to talk about them but you know i'm reminded you know i see the millennial tag i'm reminded of my friends and peers who are out there in the world trying to make a difference doing stuff just trying to Make things just a slightly better place than it was the day prior or years prior. And for those of you don't who don't know, I went to a small progressive liberal arts college. Uh, word of mouth for years was engage with a changing world. And I chose that college because I believed I would become a better person by attending. And I did. I met people from all over the world with perspectives different than mine. I saw people passionately cry out against and just as they saw in the land and they studied to know that they could do something about it. I myself, you know, I received a scholarship that uh, required me to do community service every semester, some intense community service and about 140 hours every semester too, and a couple of summers. And, you know, I got to meet great people there who, like me, just wanted to make the world a better place. And even people who weren't in organizations or programs like that, they were just generally good people. So I have a lot of memories when that tag millennial comes up. Yet, in the same way, I'm reminded of some of the more recent uh, things in association with millennials that draw some concern for me. Millennials, if you haven't noticed, have been getting a, a bad rap for pretty long time now probably a good decade and i don't have to do google search to tell you what some of those uh negative views are you know here are a couple of them millennials have been called lazy millennials have been called entitled millennials waste all their money on expensive coffee and their gadgets um millennials and this is a more recent one in the last few years but millennials all grew up with uh, participation trophies you know, the overall image of millennial is even is a, a kid wearing jeans, probably Converse's, some sort of T-shirt, beanie cap, and an iPod. I don't even know if they make iPods anymore, to be quite honest with you. But they have all that in, you know, and they're, they're just going on in the world and not really responsible to anything and just high tech. And I just think that's a really damaging and damning image. To be quite honest with you, I think there's a lot of problems with that. 
I mean, seriously, think about it. Who doesn't like goodness? All right. But but seriously, those statements have become a part of the image of millennials, which means a whole generation of people. Or as Wikipedia states, and yes, I'm using Wikipedia because this is an academic paper and they drew their stats from the 2015 census and uh, based on Pew's definition of millennials being born between 81 and 97, which is a very interesting span if you look at how technology was advancing or advanced shortly after 97. Um, That's a pretty large chunk. Anyways, the whole generation people are talking about based on that, my my very non super academic approach at looking at those numbers. Uh, But, you know, it's not a small group. We know that much. Uh, And it's not that this these young people, they live just it's not just the people that live across the street who are, are millennials. It's not perhaps the hundred people you guess are at various coffee shops or at the Apple store. And it's not a few thousand either. At that point in time, when they wrote their numbers, um, what they were talking about is 75.4 million people. Let me say that again. 75.4 million people are being judged as lazy, entitled, so on and so forth. So let's let's put that in perspective because it's it's like I said, it's really concerning that there's these views out here for such a large group of people. So let's put this out here. Uh, back from the numbers they had then, you could take New York City, the populations, and these are our cities in Philadelphia and um, the United States. Uh, you can take New York City, Los Angeles, Chicago. Houston, Philadelphia, Phoenix, San Antonio, San Diego, Dallas, San Jose, Austin, Indianapolis. Those are the top 12 then. And you would only get a population of 27 million. That's back in 2013. So this group is larger than a multitude of of countries. For example, this population is larger than the country of France. And, and by these old numbers, they may have been updated by this point. But this population is larger than the country of France, Italy, the UK, Thailand. And it's just slightly smaller than the population of Turkey. And Turkey sits at a population of 82 million. These are countries. Countries. And if that doesn't help to show you how large a group this is, consider that U.S. sits at approximately 326 million people, so about a fourth of the populations are what you consider millennials now. Wow, a fourth of the population, that's a lot of people. And it might be a problem if we have a negative view of such a large group of people, especially since a number of these people are working and may be the people who are eventually running government and making decisions. Maybe we need to think about them. And I'm sure that those that are employed are working under people. They're being managed by people, which is where a number of frustrations are coming from. And one of my favorite uh, business people, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk or Gary V for short, you can find him on YouTube. He's a owner of a multi-million dollar media company and he's not a millennial uh, at all. Uh, he's very much about taking responsibility for everything that happens in his company uh, and wax is elegant on the value of working hard, it's, which is a concept I appreciate. 
he has a particular view for at least managers at company who think very poorly of millennials and just kind of blame them as being different. He thinks they're they're losers. Now, I'm not going to go so far as call someone a loser. That's not my style. But we have to recognize why a successful businessman who takes ownership and all he does would say something like this. Gary recognized that simply stereotyping an employee is a losing choice. Simply stereotyping an employee is a losing choice. No matter what the stereotype it is the manager's job to know their directs and to be able to manage them. But it's way easier to ignore that responsibility and just classify them as different. As a manager, and I think management and leadership, they're slightly different roles, um, but they should be tied together. As a manager, um, I say from experience, you have to know the person in front of you. How else, which is what a leader does, how else are you going to bring out the best in them? Help guide them in the proper direction. If we rely on quick stereotypes, uh, we don't give a person a chance. And consider, for example, large amount of personality uh, assessments out there. And for those of you who don't know, I've been interested in career education um, early on in my college experience because of my background. And I also have a I also studied psych as a undergrad. So that's my undergrad degree is actually in psychology. Not that that makes me the go to know it all for all this stuff. But I like to think about people and why they do what they do and how they behave and how we can bring out the best in them. And when you think about the number of assessments out there, my goodness, there's tons of them. I'm not just talking about the Facebook ones. You know, you have the Myers and Briggs, you have the DISC, you have Strength Finder, you have Values Assessment. There are so many assessments for character traits or values, for strengths, for how people behave in different contexts, um, for in different situations that we that are out there, which means people are very different. And many have put effort into learning how to manage individuals directly. In larger context, um, what I was just talking about, the same concept applies. Writing people off because of how they might be dismisses the individual, their identity, and their capacity. So let me say that again. Dismisses the individual, their identity, also all their experiences that they've had up to this point, and their capacity. And this is something that, you know, we may do subconsciously, um, but our thoughts influence our actions. So stereotypes about a group or gossip about a particular individual, um, it will affect our subconscious. And if we do it consciously, I mean, we're going to behave different. Um, our changes in behavior could be as simple as choosing not to speak to a person or as significant um or in as unconscious as not hiring someone for a role, maybe because their names seem a little bit ethnic. And there are studies that show that happens um, quite significantly. Um, so with our minds cluttered, we can miss out on opportunities. And this is kind of, this is really what my concern was. Remember, I talked about responsibility and my care for people. I believe that when we write people off, we miss out on opportunities. Every person that we meet, um, has lived a whole life uh, and that life is spilled 
is filled with experiences that alter your perspective and approach. In our interaction with them, not only does our worldview increase, but we have the benefit of learning lessons that can change our lives. We can even be introduced to networks that we didn't, didn't even know existed that can make our personal and professional lives a lot better. It's like hearing a genre of music that you haven't heard before and you find out you like it. And you're like, where did that come from? Example for me, using the music idea. One time, not that long ago, before I ever had access to a car, I was walking back from work um, and people don't really walk in the city I live in. I was walking past construction. Um, it was raining. I was walk. I mean, I was walking on the construction because that was the safest place to walk. Uh, it was raining and my little um, MP3 player that I was able to buy from like Meyer or someplace like that. I had that and it was able to kick into the uh, local radio station. They had country on. And they were talking about hardship and heartbreak. And it spoke to my heart. And I was like, I love this stuff. This is fantastic. It's a whole new world. Now, I know some people out there don't like country. I get it. I understand that. I grew up in a place where people will never listen to country. But I like it. It was great for me. It opened up my worldview. So, thinking about that. Uh, talking a little bit about me. I'll be talking more about myself here. Um. I know that, you know, outside of just the music example, that from experience, our minds can grow. I grew up in a very conservative household. Uh, my willingness to connect to people who, um, who were different from me has enriched my life, my way of life. Not just my life, but my way of life on a regular basis, exponentially. Being able to, because of the experiences, being able to recognize people for who they are and respond to them accordingly is always a good thing. Being able to recognize people who they are and respond to them accordingly is always a good thing. And that comes from being open to meeting them and knowing who they are. For example, not every millennial is an iPod tooting tech genius that expects to be the head of a company in two days. That's not the case. Um, and like I said, I still don't know if they're even making iPods. Like, I don't know. I think those things are gone. Uh, I grew up on on the uh, CD player. When that came out, that was pretty cool. Before that, we had cassettes. Um, anyways, that said, a part of opening our worldview is experience. Experience, reflection, and talking with those who have different views than ourselves. Sometimes it's simply hearing a story that makes us say, hmm, I did not know that. Well, now that I know that, I think I'm going to act a little differently. For example, I did not recognize that a waitress or waiter, um, even though I may have tipped very well, but at the point that if I stayed, because I like to eat, but if I stayed and chat with my friends for a while longer, if I've been quicker, even though I'm going to leave a large tip, um, they could have, you know, cycled out those tables multiple times um, and gotten still done pretty better and that on average is to tip a, a waiter or waitress well you're looking at 20 percent. and i know some people don't believe in tipping system i know tipping is particularly an american thing um which is we can go to a whole nother subject about uh, another another discussion about that but i knew that 
those were things that influenced how they were paid. And once I learned that, you know, I love eating and love hanging out with friends and talking. I changed that behavior because I didn't know how I was impacting their income. And that just became because I was talking to a person who happened to be a waitress prior. And that just changed everything that I did from there on. So maybe for ourselves, we need to talk to someone. Um, If we're trying to learn more, talk to someone who's willing to talk. Just get to meet somebody. If you're thinking about millennials, talk to a millennial. Do some research, not just Google. I mean, that's a good place to start. You might be able to find a good list of books to read, but do some research and not just on millennials if you're trying to work with them, but on the economy um, during the lifetime that millennials are around, the economy during the age of their parents or people that may be their parents, the social influences, the historical trends, all those things that book in lives of millennials, you should take a look at. And this doesn't this and if maybe you're hearing this, but this doesn't just go for millennials. This goes for everybody. If there's a group that you don't understand, you don't connect to, start trying to learn. Some stuff you're going to read out there is going to be false and wrong. Some stuff is going to be right. Um, sometimes you're going to speak to people and you, I would say, you better not expect them to teach you everything about themselves. But you should go to try and meet people with an open heart and learn about them because your personal connection if you learn about someone you start to realize that everyone is different so go go every generation has had its issues going back to the idea about millennials every generation had this issue i remember as a child they, they would say like yeah you know people used to have issues with rock and roll and the generation that I came out with rock and roll was bad blah 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 so I think, you know, it didn't matter to me at that point in time because I was like, all right, why would you, that's so stupid. It's just music. Um, but people have their certain viewpoints. So now the generation I am a part of has been impacted. And like I said, millennials, they they do have some differences. They they and technically myself, although I'm more like a uh, a seasoned or as uh, one of the people on The Daily Show said, I'm a vintage uh, millennial, to say the least. But during my lifetime, there has been a technological boost. Um, and that makes a difference. I mean, some of the things that we're looking at with technology right now is like the future. I remember watching the Jetsons and they could touch a TV screen or talk to the TV or whatever. And it would do stuff. And guess what? We have phones that can do that and ipads and tablets and all these other things that can do that i remember working with some older adults and they tried to i think use a computer screen by putting their mouse on top of it or at least i heard about this story and that might seem ridiculous then but look at it now like this this is technologically this is the future for all intents and purposes we still work on the flying car bit uh, getting that functional right but this this is the future and millennials by and large have been influenced by that so that makes things different but i will give you all a perspective or a snapshot about me and i don't like talking about myself uh so you know you want to skip on to the next episode feel free <laughs> i'm just kidding if you don't worry about my personal story that's all cool gravy and great um because i don't really like talking about myself but 
I will talk about myself uh, because not only is this my podcast, Life According to Destiny podcast, but more so, you know, for the sake of, of doing exactly what I said, learning about different people and trying to increase our worldview, I figured I'd share a little bit about myself. Um, and, you know, my life is uh, impacted by the crossroads of many different things, economics, race, age, etc. So let's jump into that part. All right, folks. So most people make a run off some sort of stereotype. They call it heuristics, um, which is amazing. I remember that from cognitive psychology. So I guess I learned some things from there. But heuristics or scripts for how to operate in the world. Our brains often prefer efficiency. Uh, it's a nice layover from evolution that, you know, we adapted to fit into modern society. So help with that, it requires finding different ways to learn about difference. So in this case, I speak about my own experience and why millennial biases are so frustrating to me. I know, like I said before, that my context is influenced by the intersectionality of the usual things, socioeconomics, race, gender, etc. So here it is. I'm a Kumbo. I do not fit the image of millennial. Millennials are not kids per se. Yes, they may seem like a kid to you because of their age, but we have to put things in context, okay? For myself, I'm not 18, 16, 19. I'm 32 years of age. 32. Not old. Also not particularly young either. Still young, but not young, young. Lots to learn, but who doesn't have lots to learn? But at 32, um, things happen. There are changes. I, for example, I'm balding. I don't grow hair on my head anymore. I keep my hair short because it just doesn't all grow the same. I got gray hairs. When it gets cold, my knees hurt. I mean, or when it's going to rain. Sometimes my body makes cracking, popping sounds. Oftentimes now at this age, I feel like I should be going to bed at 8 o'clock on a regular basis. I even naturally wake up early sometimes. And I'm not a natural morning person. I guess that's changed. But I would just wake up at 5. I mean, I trained for it. But now at this point, it would just happen. It would just happen. I would just get up. So, another thing is that some people imagine that millennials are entitled. And and this is where I am personally very challenged by this. And maybe you have a perspective that will help me to grow in this understanding. But I, I was taught to be entitled. I'll be honest with you. And some of you may say, of course, you're a millennial. Har, har, har. Okay. Whatever. But seriously. Seriously, seriously. I was raised on the notion of meritocracy. If you work hard, you will achieve. That's entitlement. If you really think about it, it's if you do this, then you will receive that. If I work hard, I will receive this. If I study hard in school and listen to teachers, you will get stellar grades. Silence. I wish I had a cricket sound, right? I'm sure someone has heard that before. I was brought in a culture where hard work was key. You took pride in your work. You did not ask for help. The only thing that you may possibly ask for help 
is simply in understanding something that only happened when you were at school. That was it. Outside of that, you didn't ask for anything. And you sure as hell did not expect anything from anyone. My mom directly told me, no one is going to help you. Uh, so culturally, I was raised in the idea that hard work gains you success. And that that is the American dream, is it not? That's the American way. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps, even if you don't have bootstraps. Uh, but pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Get an education, work hard, and retire. And doubly more so if you came from where I was. Uh, and where was I? I grew up in an economically poor place in North Philadelphia. So yes, uh, some people think that those that grew up in poverty are very much about give me, give me, give me. Uh, culturally, the people that I at least was around or the people that <laughs> raised me, that there was not a sense of give me, give me. It was work, 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 work. Build yourself up. And since I was coming from that background, I was told at that point in time, and I don't think this is just for me. I think this is for everyone, or I should say a number of people. And you can find media that talked about this. I was told that education was key. Education was key. And particularly was a key of getting out of poverty. So not only was I told that education was key, but I could tell where I lived that the types of jobs that people had access to were not very pleasant, did not pay well. Um, remember, the minimum wage in America was very minimal. I don't even think, I think I remember when it went up to five and a quarter because uh, it was lower than that, and that wasn't a lot of money, and the stores that people worked at and all the odd jobs people did didn't pay very well. So for me, it was important that I go to college. So in 2005, I went to college, um, because that was the key. This is how you're going to get out of poverty. This is how you're going to live and have a good life. That's what I was told. Get your college degree. That's it. That's all you got to do. So you had to remember all of my high school. That's that I went to high school where that was the approach. You study, you learned a lot and you're going to go to college. That was the key. And then I do all that to get to college or right before college, but definitely while I'm at college should be told that. My bachelor's degree um, wasn't going to be sufficient enough that a master's degree was now the equivalent of a bachelor's degree. That should make you think, right? Let's go back that a bachelor's degree, which wasn't a requirement for everyone in the past, that bachelor's degree was equivalent to a master's degree. And if you don't know how things work, a bachelor's degree typically takes about four years to complete and you have to pay it one way or the other, be it taking out loans or having some amazing scholarships or having some family that has some buku money. Um, so bachelor's degree is four year master's degree. They I think they've shut down. They, they shortened the time in, re, in recent years, but master's degree, you're looking at. At, a, at the fastest, you're looking at 18 months, but typically, I think during that time, you're looking at three years, two to three years for a master's degree. So that means seven years without working for income to improve your life by taking on debt. Now, I don't know about you, but 
even though I went to a school where a number of people, you know, they were all ready for going, going on to college. I don't know many people that were super excited about the idea of like just going on to school forever and ever. So even when I was first was mentioned, like, yeah, you might need to, you'll probably need to get a master's because I was interested in do psychiatry. It's like, eh, I don't know about that. And especially me being the only person from my household and area that I knew of and from family to go to college, uh, going for a master's degree was this, I don't know, pie in the sky idea or dream that didn't, that wasn't a reality for me. And I was going to have to work for all that time to learn some things just so that I can get a job, just so that I can get a job. And as I look as an adult, pay thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars just so that I can be employable. Yeah, some people went to school so they can get just an education. My role was to go to school. Yeah, so that I can get education, learn, become a better person, but also because I need to make sure I can get a job, right? So when I graduated in 2009, um, if you don't recall, you don't know, the country was in a recession. And the only reason they don't use depression, and this is in textbooks in case you didn't know, the only reason they didn't use the depression is because the depression was used already. So we used recession. And this was like, I believe, one of the worst ones they've had. So, yeah. That 2009, 2008 recession, when I graduated, and this is no disrespect to them whatsoever or to or to the field of work that people are doing. It's just my memories and what makes me think about people when they say millennials. You know, I have friends who worked at coffee shops and I love my baristas. They're fantastic. I love them. Love them, love them, love them, love them, love them. But when you start to look at the debt ratio, because I'm also very much financially aware, I like money, <laughs> you know, I like managing it, I like making sure it's working for me, I like leveraging it, I like it to do its thing and to be saved and invested, so on and so forth. So when you look at the debt that a person may have taken on and what they've studied to be able to do, and then they are because of lack of jobs. They're now forced to work at a coffee shop. Oh, oh, okay. But it wasn't even just that. I knew that there were McDonald's. And once again, not a crack at, at the institution. Just a recollection of what's occurred. People at McDonald's who, or at McDonald's that were asking for people who had bachelor degrees to work at McDonald's. And most of McDonald's jobs are very entry level. Um, bachelor's degree think about that mcdonald's bachelor's degree people have forgotten this i have not forgotten this because this has affected me and my friends the millennials right it affected us you know and for other entry-level jobs that people are applying to those with bachelor's degrees just coming out of college perhaps with minimum experience or maybe some because they were able to do some kind of non-paying um non-paying internship I and mean, we can talk about internships so internships are great some just kind of use their students as free labor period um but you know you have these people coming out bachelor's degree for entry-level job competing with people who had doctorates and i've seen this happen 
I've seen this. I know this is a thing. Like, this is a thing. Or at least was a thing during that time period. Oh, goodness. Friends, I'm not trying to rant or rave. I'm just trying to give an image of the things that I saw. The things that I know in my heart to be what occurred. And the feelings that people have had about this. I know there are some people who simply had to go and yes, be that millennial that went and lived with their family because they had debt, honestly. And was it just because they're freaking lattes? It's because they went to school to try to better themselves so they could have a job, be a taxpaying citizen and make things happen. And they couldn't they couldn't cut it by themselves because education was expensive. You know, and there were other people who if they were able to. They just hid away in grad school, right? Some people knew they were going to go to grad school, and that's great. Other people, they went to grad school because what else were you going to do during that point in time? So you took on more debt, hid away, so that you could finally get a job at some point where it's a little bit safer for you to re-enter the economy. And these things were brought on by recession. And there are particular words for this, and I'll probably share this in the next podcast, but... This was brought on recession and this recession was not brought on by the millennial age group. This was brought on by the parents to millennials or the grandparents to millennials. When you look at the housing bubble, etc. these are the people who raised, quote unquote, raised the millennials. These are also the same people who judge the millennials. This recession was not brought on by the millennials. People buying houses and getting subprime loans and using up credit cards where companies took advantage of them. It all in 2008-2009 was a pretty pretty much a damn mess. It was a mess. And it was scary for a lot of people, especially for a new person. If you were like me, I was on my own. I was not ha- didn't have family support. I didn't have family support. I was in a in a city 10 hours away from the city I grew up in with no vehicle. And really no money. Those weren't just happy go times. Let me go run with my iPod around the block, right? No, that that's, I mean, I may not take it super serious, but I knew what was going on. I knew that things were bad. Let me put it that way. Not like anyone was going to die, but things were bad. Now, I, though, myself got lucky. I wanted to serve my country. Um... And I didn't do that through the military. And for those of you do, who don't know, I before going to the college, I went to also looked at going to a military academy and weighed things out at the time and talked to family members who were in the military. I just chose the college I was at. But super appreciate our military brothers, sisters, and others who are out there working to protect us. But anyways, military corps was an approach I was going to take. But I did choose the AmeriCorps program. AmeriCorps. Um, some people call it like a domestic peace corps. It's where you work to help people, um, to help communities that are in poverty. Uh, so you're trained, you're given to, you were trained about poverty and ways of decreasing it. You were given a supervisor, um, and they gave you, um, the pay wage of a person working at poverty so that you knew what poverty was. Now, of course you've been tracking, um, wow, I decided to work at a, Poverty wage, even though I've worked all my life to get out of poverty. Why would I do that? I know, ridiculous, right? But my heart has always been about serving 
the community. Like I said, I care about potential, care about people growing. And I know what it was like as a child to grow up in a poor area and not to, not to, you know, be able to do certain things. And so I always want to improve the places that I lived at period. Um, so in being poor as an adult is different than being poor as a child. So after my year of service, I landed a job at an academics institution. I was set to move my life forward and I was laid off. Yes, laid off. Institutions running out of money. Um, they had layoffs. They call a reduction in force, but it, it was a layoff, which prior to that, I had only associated with factory jobs. And so I don't have any ill qualms about that, but I want to give you a sense that things during the time for this millennial, when we were being tagged as pretty much entitled and drenched drinking lattes, these are some of the things that I faced. And so my life has been a journey since that time. And, you know, and since the time of being laid off, you know, finding jobs that, that I felt like could still serve the community and could pay well. Um, and, you know, man, now I'm at age 32. And, you know, I look at some things like, and especially once before I turned 30, it's like, you know, what if I want to have a, a family? And I was like, you know, you, you weren't going to make enough to have a family. Like, you have credit card bills because you've worked some jobs where you did it because you cared about trying to help the community and the jobs didn't pay a lot. I mean, that's just reality. And you couldn't find ones that paid a lot better and you didn't really want to leave because you loved the work and you believed in being loyal to the company. You believed in the idea of working until you get to be able to retire and getting that gold watch. And, you know, that that's what I grew up with. Those were the ideas. And, you know, took out a graduate loan and now that has lots of money associated with it took some time away from that so i could get my own finances resituate because graduate school is pretty expensive and like i said no one's gonna necessarily pay that bill except for me so people say a number of things to me being that i'm millennial um some of the places i've gone to i've heard people and not jobs but some places i've gone to i've heard people harp on millennials a lot this is part of the reason why I want to bring up my own story. And sometimes people say, you know, you're young, you know. Um, plus, you know, if you want to have like family or children, you, you'll never have enough money. It's like, despite millennials being called perhaps also irresponsible and entitled, I guess. I feel very responsible for my actions. I feel very responsible for my actions. I feel as though... You, you should only act when it's appropriate, i.e. you should have your bills paid off. You should, if you want to have a family, which a lot of people have by age 30, if you want to have a family, you want to have your finances together such that you can do that accordingly. Will you ever truly have enough money for children? Most common people making average probably really don't. But I don't think you should be in a place where you have significant financial debt because it to me would appear to be irresponsible to bring a child into the world if I can't financially truly take care of them and I don't know if other generations have considered that right um but for me that's something that I've cared a lot about 
How can I do that? People say you're so young. What if I were dating or married to someone who's the same age as I am? Millennial going through the same exact thing, trying to to work their way up in the world. They perhaps they didn't get a job that paid a whole bunch. Um, and so they're just trying to make it. And if they're the same age, 32, women can't have children in, off into infinity. Uh, you know, there's something called geatric pregnancy. Basically, is that the female is at risk uh, and the pregnancy at risk at a certain age or you're, you're kind of just too old is what they're saying. Um, and that's that's horrible. Um, and of course, to be responsible, you need to have a savings, uh, you know, a nest egg. There's just so many things you need to do. And all this goes to being entitled and latte breath. And there's a guy that says something about people having latte breath and not saving their money appropriately, so on and so forth. So all of that we had to take in mind. Millennials enter into a time frame, or at least my age, into a time frame where there's a recession, getting good jobs that are not there. A number of people in my bracket may not have houses uh yet or purchase houses you know that's very american because finances weren't there um they may be paying off school debt um they're trying to take care of everything that needs to be taken care of um and they're just trying to make it so i myself spend a lot of time trying to figure out how to move my life forward and improve things I got lucky in many ways in life and have worked hard. I am a millennial. I may not be what you perceive as a millennial. You know, the coolest thing for me as a child was a pager. When that came out, I was like, oh, my gosh, that's great. When I saw my first, you know, TV that didn't have like knobs on it, you know, it wasn't in black and white with the bunny ears. Like, this is nice. You know, I remember when I finally had access to a computer, which is great, you know. And AOL Messenger was a thing. And, and you know, AOL Mail and Google didn't exist. I think there's something called Ask Jeeves. And I remember trying to make a website on GeoCities, right? I remember Floppy Disk, you know, and it was really great when those started to come in colors. You know, those are the things I remember as a millennial. I remember those things. I remember the Walkman. I remember the Pager. I remember the Motorola Razor, which is now in the Tech Museum. I remember being told that hard work is the way. I remember being told that America is number one. I remember being told that country divide or the the united we stand, divided we fall. I remember learning that. And I remember the challenges that millennials went through from the recession, from others not being financially responsible. Those are the things that I remember. I am a millennial. To me, I was told that working hard is supposed to mean something. So if I'm entitled, okay, I'll take that. Maybe because I believe in meritocracy, which I believe is very much an American thing. But millennials aren't lazy. Okay? Some of them may want to skyrocket up to to, to higher roles, but it's because we get so much information. We learn things or have access to learn things so quickly. You know, I recognize that it takes time to learn the tacit things, uh, the institutional history. There, there are, there's time, time that people have to put in. Hard work. But that's all I'm about, hard work. 
working smart, of course, but hard work and moving forward. So all that said, and I'm cutting out a number of things from what I've written here. All that said is that millennials may not be who you think they are. And that goes double for any other person that you had a particular view for. Get out there. Go talk to them. Get to know them. Ask questions. And not just because they're a guinea pig for you, but truly get to know them as a friend. And the more you do this, the more your perspective will open. And you won't have the exact same stereotypes anymore about people. You'll recognize everyone has their own story. And that if you don't ask, you may never truly know. So when we look back to this whole political situation that America is in, start talking to people. Find those people that are willing to talk. Try to be respectful. If you come off as disrespectful, apologize and recognize what you're doing. If they get upset, try not to take it to heart. Try to learn. Try to grow. Try to become a better person. And you know what? The world is yours. The world is yours. All right, friends. I want to send a special thanks out to Eliza Vele 86 and Messi Minimin. Uh, for letting me know that, hey, go ahead and tell us a little bit about your story and what have you. I'm sorry if it seemed like I rambled on. I intended to kind of edit some of my words and, and trim some things down. But like I said, I kind of fell asleep because I was tired. Uh, and we'll we'll talk about some reason I was tired. But part of it is because I exercised late the prior night. And that had me go to sleep a little bit later because I didn't control my sleep habit. And let's just say that just didn't end up very well. So I fell asleep on the couch. But this podcast is now done. So feel free to, you know, if you're a millennial, what did any of these experiences stand out for you? What were what were your experiences? What did this message mean for you? Or do you disagree? Where do you agree? What extra insights do you have? You can do that by shooting me email at LATA podcast. Once again, that's LATA podcast at gmail.com. Or if you're following me via anchor, you can actually send a voice message directly. And then same thing for those of you who are not millennials. Maybe you raised a millennial, maybe managed a millennial. What things did you agree with, disagree with? What insights do you have? And what questions do you have? I mean, let's have this as a discussion, as a conversation. I know that uh, uh, Nikita Martina, a person I've interviewed before, they fall under the millennial category and they had their own particular experiences. So I'll be interviewing them here in the future. Uh, it probably will be the next podcast or the next podcast might be talking about a financial experiment I'm going to be trying out. But either way, let me know what you think. You can find me once again at LATA podcast at gmail.com. And follow or subscribe on Life According to Adeshile, spelled A-D-E-S-H-I-L-E. Once again, that's A-D-E-S-H-I-L-E on iTunes or Anchor.fm. Or find me on Instagram, Sacred Fire. Fire spelled with a three because Adeshile was taken. Who would have believed it? Anyways, thanks for listening in. We'll talk to you later and see you on the other side of awesome.